0: Everyone knows that not all marriages are life-giving and joyful, but few understand that researchers have identified the factor that most distinguishes joyful marriages from those that are not. Summarizing all the research and based on studying hundreds of marriages, psychologist Dr. John Gottman reports that the Most important ingredient to a successful marriage is a husband and a wife who take responsibility for working through their conflicts in a way that takes them past negative emotion to positive reconnections. And you won't be surprised that this holds true for all relationships, not just marriage. All friendships, all family connections, all work relationships rise and fall on your ability to wisely handle conflict. So how you doing? How you doing with this? Uh, When you look in the rearview mirror of your life, do you see a lot of relational wreckage based on your mismanaged conflict? I do. When I look in that rear view mirror, I see conflicts I wish that I had handled differently. I wish I had a mentor who could teach me how to handle conflict God's way. I bet you feel the same way. Well, I'd like to introduce you to a mentor today. uh, And he speaks to us through the Old Testament. His name is Nehemiah. And in the book that bears his name, Nehemiah reveals several truths about handling conflict, several tools for handling conflict, and dispels several myths about handling conflict. Free field to use your Bible, you like, or you can just follow along with what appears on the screen. Starting with chapter one, where we find out that God placed Nehemiah in a very strategic position. Uh, He is a close friend and trusted advisor to Artaxerxes, the uh, king of the Persian empire, who is therefore the most powerful man on the planet at that time. So Nehemiah supplies his official title in the first chapter where he writes, I was the cupbearer to the king. As cupbearer, Nehemiah literally was responsible for making sure that The king's food and drink uh, were totally uh, healthy and there was nothing deadly uh, in those uh, forms of food and drink. Uh, But in a larger sense, the cupbearer was one of the, if not the most trusted person Uh, to the king. So as cupbearer, Nehemiah was the most trusted uh, friend to the king. And uh, in those days, choosing a cupbearer as a king was a matter of life and death. History records that Artaxerxes' father was killed in his sleep by his cupbearer. Which seems like a pretty serious uh, background check problem to me. but it highlights the fact that Nehemiah was more than just an employee. He was this trusted friend of the king. And the closeness of their relationship is uh, described in chapter 2, where one day, Nehemiah is interacting with the king, and the king stops and says, Nehemiah, well, why are you upset? I, I sense that you're, you're feeling down. What's going on? And to this, Nehemiah re- uh, responds, I said to the king, why should my face not look sad, when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins, and its gates or walls have been destroyed by fire. So these words from Nehemiah are important for two reasons. First, these words get to the main point of the book. Nehemiah is referring to the city of Jerusalem, uh, which was Defeated and devastated uh, under uh, Artaxerxes' control. And the people of Jerusalem are suffering malnutrition and vicious attack because they have been prevented from rebuilding the walls around the city. And in those days, a city without walls was like, you know, today, a city without a police department. Uh, It was chaos that made it impossible for uh, them to do business in Jerusalem and to feed their families. And that's the situation that is breaking Nehemiah's heart. But another reason that these words uh, are important is because they contain Nehemiah's first truth for handling conflict God's way. The first truth is that maintaining healthy relationships includes wise expression of hurt and disappointment. Uh, in these words, we read, uh, Nehemiah is expressing relational conflict between him and his friend the king. Uh, what's the conflict? Well, I mentioned that uh, the people there uh, in Jerusalem are prevented from building their wall because of a law that's on its book uh, on the books. Guess who wrote the law? Yeah. It was, it was Anaxerxes, uh, Artaxerxes, and, the, and this fact comes out in the book of Ezra, uh, chapter 4 in the Bible. So Nehemiah honestly expresses his hurt and disappointment, and do you know how the king responded? The king said, Nehemiah, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't realize this. What can I do to help your city get these walls rebuilt? Because Nehemiah was honest about his hurt, the king fell over himself to try to make it right. The king repealed the law, uh, preventing the rebuilding. Uh, The king gave uh, Nehemiah time off so that he could supervise the project, and he gave Nehemiah money so that they could uh, have the materials they needed to rebuild. Did this conflict resolution go well? Yeah, it was a slam dunk. and one of the reasons why Nehemiah got this great result was because he was wise in his words. Uh, did, you, did you notice what Nehemiah said and what he didn't say? Uh, Nehemiah said, I feel sad. I feel hurt. I feel down about what's happening to my brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. Do you notice how Nehemiah avoided accusing Artaxerxes, by the way, he used I statements instead of you statements. I guarantee that the result would have been totally different if Nehemiah replied to this well-meaning question, hey, Artie baby, hey, do you want to know why I'm sad? It's because of you and your lousy wall. You are starving my friends and you need to do something about this. If Nehemiah had done this, he would have had his cup shoved down his throat. (laughs) But Nehemiah was wise, and he gave us this first tool. Wise expression of hurt and disappointment employs I statements instead of you statements. This is a really important tool that seems simple, but we all need to learn it. I remember counseling a married couple, uh, who spent most of their time just arguing uh, with each other. Uh, The wife had a favorite dig at her husband. Uh, She would wave him off just saying, you are just such a jerk. And uh, I would say, listen, Cindy, you know, I think that uh, uh, this is accusatory to employ these kind of you statements. So Cindy, why don't we try to kind of de-escalate the anger uh, by using an I statement that expresses your feelings about the situation. So, so he paused for a moment, looked her husband in the eyes, and said, OK, honey, uh, listen. I feel you are a jerk. <laughs> like I said, simple, but people can be simpler. Uh, God can help you with this. In fact, right now, God's bringing to your mind a relationship, a relationship that can be uh, brought to more health or healing or restoration if you would just step up with some wise words and say something. Something happened, you know, along the way. Uh, I got hurt, and I don't want it to uh, be a barrier in our relationship. And so I just felt hurt when uh, this happened or this was said, You can do this. You can sit down with someone over coffee and just explain your feelings uh, and and how you were dinged a little bit with I statements. And just in that simple act of honesty, you can be the step to resolving the conflict. Because I don't know, maybe it's eight or nine times out of 10, the other person didn't even know you were hurt. And by just bringing something up, you can clear the air. and and bring wonder to the relationship. An expression like this could just, like Nehemiah, work out great. But on the other hand, you can do everything right, and still the other person can shove that coffee cup down your throat. Uh, And that's because when you are honest about your feelings you're releasing the other person to be honest about their feelings. Maybe some barrier that they had locked inside and were not expressing to you. It can be messy to go into conflict resolution on the short term, but being honest about hurt and disappointment is part of handling conflict God's way. So back to Nehemiah. Uh, Because he expressed himself wisely and honestly, uh, Artaxerxes blessed him with everything he needed to start rebuilding the walls in Jerusalem. And this is exactly what God wanted Nehemiah to do. And so because Nehemiah was in the center of God's will, uh, he went back to Jerusalem, started the wall building project, and everything went perfectly without a hitch. Right? Wrong. When Nehemiah got back to Jerusalem, this is when the conflicts really start. And this is where Nehemiah dispels a big myth about handling conflict God's way. The myth says, if I'm walking in God's will, I won't experience relational conflict. You see, there's a myth, and it is really destructive to the people of God. There's this myth that says, uh, Christians, should never have conflict because if I'm loving, people should love me. And therefore, if I'm I'm doing it right, nobody should have any conflict with me. Or if, if someone does hurt me, then what I should do is just take it and suffer in silence. But this is not what Jesus teaches his people. Oh yeah, Jesus does teach that I always must do the most loving Thing in my relationships, and yes, Jesus does teach that sometimes the most loving thing is to turn the cheek and just forgive, but Jesus also teaches that sometimes the most loving thing is to engage in the messiness of conflict resolution, and sometimes the most loving thing is to actually confront someone in, in the process actually build, actually resulting in more conflict. Jesus taught that walking in God's will sometimes leads to more conflict and not less. And Jesus' earthly life proves this. Jesus walked perfectly in the Father's will, and yet he had relational conflicts so severe that just about everywhere he went, there was somebody who wanted to kill him. So take some encouragement if you are faithful, and yet facing conflicts in your relationships. Just like Jesus, Nehemiah was doing God's will, God's work, God's way, and yet was besieged with conflict on every side. For instance, as Nehemiah went uh, to the wall building project, he uh, had these anti-rebuild leaders Starting to cause him problems. Their names were Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. And in chapter two, these three guys start a campaign of ridicule and mockery designed to discourage Nehemiah and his wall workers. And then in chapter four, these three guys uh, threaten violence against the wall workers. And when all this doesn't uh, stop the rebuilding, Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Geshem launched a plan to assassinate Nehemiah. The conflict there was coming from outside Jerusalem, but even worse was the conflict inside Jerusalem. You see, most people in Jerusalem were so poor, they couldn't feed their families. But there were a few rich people in town. And these rich people didn't help build the wall. They didn't help pay for the wall. Infinitely worse, they started taking advantage of the poor people who were trying to build the wall. Having no money or food to feed their families, these poor went to the the rich nobles to ask for a loan. And in response, the rich charged the poor such high interest that their neighbors couldn't pay it back. And when their neighbors couldn't pay it back, the rich would take their children as slaves. And so the poor came crying to Nehemiah, and he records these words. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. But then I pondered them in my mind. Afterward, I approached the nobles and the officials and I told them, what you're doing is not right. In these words, Nehemiah gives me a second truth, a second tool, and dispels a second myth. Let's start with Nehemiah's second truth. Maintaining healthy relationships includes taking active responsibility for conflict resolution in my relationships. When Nehemiah learned the details of how the rich were exploiting the poor, Nehemiah took active responsibility for conflict resolution. He got angry. And this is good anger. This is anger that said, I am fed up and I'm not gonna tolerate this kind of conflict in our community, in our larger family. And can I just say a word uh, to parents, especially parents who have kids living at home under your roof? Frankly, parents, it is high time that some of you got fed up with the unresolved conflict in your house. It's time you stop just tolerating the bad blood that constantly flows in your home and do something constructive about it. If the members of your house are yelling at each other, giving each other the silent treatment, freezing each other and hurting each other, you need to get fed up. And you need to take some active responsibility. You know, maybe the conflict is in your marriage. If so, then you need to decide that you're not going to wait for your spouse to take the first step. You are going to stop making excuses, and you are going to take the first step of active responsibility toward building conflict resolution and peace. If it's your kids that are screaming at each other, using foul language uh, to you, or uh, hating each other and hurting each other, you need to get Fed up and decide that you're going to help your kids communicate constructively and you're going to give them tools for resolving conflict. And while they are under your roof, you're going to insist that they use these tools. What kind of tools? Well, Nehemiah gives us an important conflict resolution tool in the words we read uh, there where Nehemiah says, I was very angry, but then I pondered the situation in my mind. Afterward, I approached the nobles and said, what you're doing is not right. Nehemiah gives me an important tool here. That conflict resolution includes techniques for de-escalating anger. When he heard about this exploitation, Nehemiah was furious. But then he describes how. Uh he then pondered the situation in his mind. What was the, what's this pondering business? Well, he was taking a deep breath to analyze his own anger and the situation. He was pausing to think over how he could best express himself in a way that would be most constructive. And most of all, Nehemiah was giving himself some time to calm down because he knew that Without a decompression period, he would say things that he'd regret, and he would ruin the opportunity to resolve the conflict. This decompression period concept is something—it's a de-escalation tool that you can use at home in your marriage, or uh, something you can train your kids about to prevent damage in the heat of conflict. Uh, let's say the fight is between your younger kids. You can help by just insisting on a separation. It could just be a minute, two minutes. But those two minutes might just prevent words and actions that could scar their relationship for the rest of their life. And it's just one technique for de-escalating anger. Another technique is called attack the problem and not the person. And this is where you and your family member uh, pause to just identify and agree on what the problem is and then attack the problem by together suggesting solutions, possible solutions, instead of attacking each other. Another approach is the egg timer uh, technique. I have one here. Um, you, you can just take it out of your kitchen. It's just uh, maybe this little uh, hourglass thing where uh, if, if, let's say, your kids are, are arguing, you can give it to one. You, say you get three minutes to express yourself uh, and try to express your feelings, and then it's the other person's turn. They get three minutes to just express themselves. It's just a simple device that can enforce lessons on how to express feelings, but more importantly, how to listen to the other person's feelings. And of course, these techniques are things that go way beyond home. You can adapt them for school, uh, for work, or right here at church. And that's why I carry this egg time around here all the time. There's <laughs> a few of you that are getting it today. So, Because uh, conflicts pop up everywhere, Right? Which leads to the myth that Nehemiah dispels. God expects me to resolve all the conflicts I have with all people. This is a myth. True, God wants me to actively engage in conflict resolution wherever I can, but God knows I can't resolve conflict with people who refuse to be at peace with me. Even Jesus couldn't resolve conflict with people who were intent on attacking him. And Nehemiah couldn't resolve conflict with Samballot, Tobiah, and Geshem. Sounds like an evil law firm, doesn't it? Uh I mentioned how these three guys had an assassination plot uh, to lure Ge- Nehemiah into a peace talk where they were planning to kill him. But Nehemiah knew these guys, and they had no desire to really resolve the conflict, and so he didn't fall for it. In the same way, God doesn't want you falling in guilt over conflicts that can't be resolved because the other person is twisted in mind or hating in heart. Maybe you're a student and uh, there's a bully uh, who's picking on you at school named Sanballat. And uh, uh, if you're a victim of a bully, this is not conflict resolution time. You need to get an adult school leader involved. Maybe you're the victim of dangerously abusive relationships. This is not a resolution case. This is a time to demand change, or get away, or both. Instead of losing sleep over the evil law firm, uh, Nehemiah focuses conflict resolution on the rich and poor who uh, were in conflict with each other. And because Nehemiah approached the nobles with constructive conflict resolution and de-escalated anger, they repented and paid back what they had taken from the poor. Nehemiah made peace where he could, but did not obsess over the sandballots who were abusive and had no interest in peace. And the reason that Nehemiah could tell the difference in these relationships is because. In both cases, he was listening to God in prayer. Nehemiah prayed at every stage of this story. Uh, Nehemiah prayed when he was talking to the king. He prayed uh, after he talked to the king. Uh, he prayed uh, while Band- uh, Sam Ballot was making the threats and after those threats. And in this, Nehemiah reveals a third truth, a third tool, and a third myth to dispel. First, the third truth. Maintaining healthy relationships includes relying on God for guidance in my conflicts. God sees how your relational conflicts bring you so much pain and so much heartache, and God keeps tapping you on the shoulder saying, would you let me in? Call on me in my guidance and counsel. God wants me to bring my conflicts to him and then listen to him, which is Nehemiah's third tool. Listen to God in prayer. God doesn't want my conflicts to increase my stress level, but he does want my conflicts to increase my prayer level because he wants me to grow in my relationship with him and actually get from him the teaching I need to improve my relationships, which leads to the final myth that Nehemiah dispels. God wants me to be a peacekeeper who avoids conflict. This is a myth. God does not want me to be a peacekeeper who avoids conflict. God calls me to be a peacemaker who is a blessing in all my relationships. Jesus in Matthew 5 said, blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. Jesus knows something about peacemaking. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. That's why he came. He came to make peace between me and God through his sacrifice on the cross. But then Jesus not only restores my relationship with God, he fills me with his spirit so he can empower me to be like him, to be a peacemaker in my relationships. Today, I've offered you some truths and some tools for handling conflict. But the fact is, the secret to resolving conflict is not having principles in your head. The secret to maintaining healthy relationships is not having an egg timer in your pocket. The secret is having the spirit of Jesus at the center of your being. And right now, Jesus calls you to take the symbols of his body and his blood in communion where he desires to fill you afresh with his life, his spirit, to make you like him in your relationships, a maker. We wanna thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.